Blog Talk Radio. Which means good morning in the ancient Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapai. I'm joined once again, y'all, by my wife, Hasadai, in the building. Shalom. I want to give all praises to the Most High. Round of applause for the Most for the Most High. Your house shine. want to give a round of applause to Hakodiah, man. <laughs> the reason I'm giving her this round of applause, y'all, because she's done a great job here. Being my reader for how many months? About a month? Two months? How long have you got, Joe? How long have Oh, for several months. (laughs) The time went by quick. Well, she, Tommy, (laughs) we've been jokingly referring to her as around the house. Tommy has found a gig now, y'all. She got a job. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she won't be uh, joining us as often. As far as being my reader uh, here this morning, y'all. So, but she's done a great job. Uh, we were just sitting up here rapping, um, and she was telling me about about how this has been um, nostalgic for her. It reminds her of the days where she would come to class and it was just her and the teacher, and uh, she could get a lot of uh, understanding, edification out of the scriptures. Now, you know. I started reminiscing myself on the days of going back to uh, the school we had here in San Antonio down on Guadalupe Street back in the day, man, when I came in. I would have those times where I would have Mashaba as a teacher, man, and those, man, were the best uh, times, man. I was I was milking the hell out of Mashaba for it all his knowledge of the book, man, and I've got a lot of understanding, a lot of classes, man. And to be honest, y'all, uh, all praises to the most high, man. For allowing me to get that. But, um, man, I got, I believe I got more than, more than most, man. More than most of, uh, my generation, the, the people that came in alongside of me or after me, <clears throat> um, get my train of thought. Yeah, but uh, I appreciate that. And I was looking for this scripture last week, man. Yeah, it it just came back around this week because last last week, uh, y'all, um, we were uh, observing the passing and uh, celebrating uh, one of the elders of Warren West, R.E.I., may his soul rest in peace, he's back with the Most High. And I was just giving him uh, his flowers, man. And this scripture escaped me last week, but I got it this week as I'm reminded about Shabbat and what he put into me. So uh, St. John verse 13, and I'm, I'm going to start the show like I always do, y'all, but this is on my mind right now, so so I don't want, I don't want to lose it. So let's get that. St. John chapter fifteen, verse thirteen. 
Oh, I got to get that one too, man. Um, it's in the apocrypha. Uh, let's get this one first, though. Read that. Greater love has no man than this. Now, listen to what it's saying. And this is how it's how speaking. He said, greater love had no man than this, meaning that this is the greatest love, y'all. This is the greatest example, the greatest uh, action you can do because love is an action, not just a word. So this is the greatest love that a man can do. Read. That a man lay down his life for his friend. That a man do what? Lay down his life for his friend. Now, when it talks about laying down your life, y'all, yeah, it is talking about dying, but it's talking about in the practical sense of putting aside what you got going on in your life to serve other people, man. And that that is very respectable. That is very commendable that these men, and I said it last week, all the men that came before me, and in particular, uh, Elder High Priest Oriah, laying down his life and the things that were important to him to teach others, man, to reach out to others. And I just want to say the water once again to that brother and the water to all the brothers who invested in me, uh, the water Mashaba for all the uh, late night hours down at Guadalupe, uh, that, which didn't stop. The teacher didn't stop after class because I would have to take Mashaba home and Mashaba lived way out on, in Stone Oak. <laughs> uh, what was it? Equipment Oaks. And I would have to, we would have to take that long ride from the west side of San Antonio downtown uh, all the way to up 281 to Stone Oak. And he would be still teaching in the car on the drive. And then we'd get there, and we'd probably sit there in front of his house in my truck for about an hour. <laughs> Those late nights, man, early mornings. And we, man, class probably wouldn't be over till like 12, 1 o'clock. And then, like I said, make this drive to his crib and sit there a whole hour rapping and easy, easily 2 o'clock, man, before I got done with him. Then I still would have to drive about 30 minutes to the crib and then get up and go to work at 6.30. <laughs> when I was working for AT&T, man, I remember those those times, Michelle, uh The water, bro. The water. Applause to you, brother. And let me get uh let me see something real quick, y'all. Hold on. Yeah, that's it. Ecclesiastes forty four and one. Love this scripture, man. I forgot about this one. But it's so true, man. It's so true. Read it. Let us now praise famous men. What does it say? Let us now praise famous men. But I thought you were supposed to praise no man. <laughs> you know, we got a lot of brothers coming. I ain't praising no man. Worship it. There's a difference between praising and worshiping, y'all. When, you, when you're praising the man, you're giving him his, his just due, man. 
You're giving him the, the respect that he deserves. Elder, as a teacher, as a prophet, you, you, you're paying, his, paying him homage, man, his respect. This is lawful. When you're worshiping somebody and you're bowing down to them and serving them and that's all you live for is to do them and what they say, that's, that's when you're worshiping somebody. But ain't nothing wrong with praising somebody. He would tell you in uh, Proverbs 31 that a virtuous woman shall be praised. So ain't nothing wrong with giving your woman or any woman praise for her uh, virtue or any man uh, for his virtue and his work and his attributes and the work that he put in, man. Read it again. Let us now praise famous men. Read. And our fathers that begat us. So this goes for the people that invested in you or currently invested in you and for our forefathers of the book, man, of the Bible, man. So let me do it again. Much, 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 much respect to all the brothers that have laid down their lives for this truth and invested in other brothers, man. Because like Yahawashai said, there is no greater love, y'all. So, y'all, once again, welcome to the show. Uh, this is ISBHPK, and the segment is Bible Talk. This is our blog talk uh, platform that we use to get the word of the Most High out to the 12 tribes scattered worldwide. And I want to say shalom to those brothers and sisters. Uh, may the Most High in Christ bless y'all, man. Keep y'all safe. Keep y'all family safe. I want to send shouts out to our brothers here in San Antonio. Shouts out to the brothers in VA, the brothers in Rochester, the brothers down in H-Town, man. And I want to say happy for real, man. Happy for real, Yashua, Israel. Um, if it's your first time tuned into the show, man, I do about an hour of news and current events. Uh, before I get to the topic, I changed the topic up a little bit, y'all. Uh, I am going to definitely, definitely, definitely continue the topic on um, the captivities of the southern kingdom, man. Ooh, man, I have some information. It's mind-blowing. Um, but I wanted to take a pause for the cause, man, to celebrate our holiday, man, which is for real, man. So let's go and get into it. Uh, we get Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, and it reads, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Peace. So be it, man. So this is the prayer we need to send up on the daily, brothers and sisters, so we can get the hell up out of this demonic, awful, weak place, man. Let's get Psalms chapter uh, 118 and verse 24. Read that for me. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Good or bad, happy or sad, the most high brought you to it. He's going to bring you through it, and you're going to come out better on the other side of it, man. 
it tells you in First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, I believe, there is no temptation taken man uh, has taken you. Uh, let me not butcher it. Let's read it. <laughs> Let's read it. I'm about to just be in here like a Ginsu or damn um, butcher. Read that. First Corinthians ten thirteen. There hath no temptation taken you common to man. So the things you're going through is not uncommon. They are common that everybody else is going through. People are, we want to use it all the time as a compliment. I've been through a lot. Well, guess what? Everybody else has been through a lot, too. <laughs> you Israelites, you definitely have been through a lot. You've been through the whole chapter of Deuteronomy 28. So you can't use it as an excuse. There, that's common. Read. But God is faithful. But remember this, the Most High is definitely faithful. You can count on him, Read, Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Meaning what? He ain't going to give you more than you can handle, man. Now check this out, Read, But will with the temptation. With what you're going through, Read, Also make a way to escape. He'll make a way to ease your mind, man. To, to make it bearable so you can deal with it. Now, don't be reading this thing. You're just going to escape altogether from the issues and the problems. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. <laughs> he's going to give you strength to make it through what you're going through. And like I said, you're going to come out better on the other side because of it, man. All right, read. That ye may be able to bear it. You see that? <laughs> it ain't going to be that you're going to escape it altogether. He's going to give you the strength. You'll be able to prepare to go through what you're going through, man. All right, let's see this right here. Man, we got a whole bunch of stuff on the way. So I want to open up y'all with this article right here from uh, CBS News. Read that. From CBS, excuse me, NBC oh, News. I'm sorry, NBC. Uh, reported March 6, 2023. Mm-hmm. Biden administration considers restarting family detention for migrants. Okay. Y'all heard about those detention centers, also known as prisons, that they got our brothers and sisters, the nine, who we refer to as the nine and a half, or the uh, Hispanic tribes uh, down at the borders. Read on. The president ended the policy shortly after he took office. No decisions have been made. Two sources familiar with the planning said. The Biden administration is considering restarting the controversial policy that detains migrants who enter the country illegally with their children. Now, they're entering illegally coming from uh, South Central America because, uh, and Mexico also, because the U.S. government, by way of colonization and corporations, have those areas, and they are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They are taking advantage, exploiting, exploitation. That's the word I'm looking for exploiting the indigenous people of the region. When I say colonialized or colonialism, y'all, 
Colonialism is not colonialism all the time in name, all right? There is a colonialism where they don't even got to put their name on it, but they just there. Their presence is there and their presence is felt, and they send in those uh, operatives to um, inspire a coup in a country and overthrow governments and destabilize countries, the United States as well as England, and we're going to get to them in a little bit, they do the same thing because they're the same people. You have the United Kingdom, or you got the United Kingdom, right? All those Edomites united, going back to uh, Philip the Macedonian, who united them, uh, Alexander's daddy. And then you got what? The United States. I hope you all see the similarities. They're the same damn people. But these people destabilize governments and they make it so the drug cartels and all of that, and the corruption and all of that. And these people are really literally in a war zone, fighting for their lives. And because of the war zone that they're in, they're fleeing these countries and they're fleeing danger. You know, human instincts. Let me get the hell out of here. And they're trying to come to America for succor, but America is like, no, you black and brown people, I don't like you niggas. I don't want y'all in my country. Read on. Two sources familiar with the planning confirm. President Joe Biden stopped the immigration and customs enforcement policy known as family detention shortly after he took office. The New York Times first reported that the administration was considering reintroducing the policy. So they're considering. That's what they say. Now watch this. In a statement, a Department of Homeland Security spokesperson said, No decisions have been made as we prepare for the Title 42 public health order to lift. The administration will continue to prioritize safe, orderly, and humane processing of migrants. Two sources familiar with the planning said White House and DHS officials have met multiple times in recent days to discuss what would be necessary to restart the policy when Title 42 ends May 11th. Oh, so they don't, they definitely going to reinstate it. It ain't rumored that they they uh they going to reinstate it. It's a fact. They're waiting to make. Hope everybody see this, Brief. No decisions have been made yet, the sources said. Many inside the administration are resisting the move, the sources added. Yeah, right. Okay. So now I want y'all to pay close attention to that. And now we're going to jump here to this other article. I think I'm going to play this one so we can see. The disparities, man. Let me turn this all the way up. Yeah, I'm going to play this one. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Goodman. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has prompted an exodus of nearly 4 million people and an outpouring of support for many of the refugees. But a new report finds some of the non-white people who fled Ukraine are being held in detention centers in Poland and Estonia. Now, did y'all hear that? The non-white people, meaning black folks, all right? Now, some of these are Africans, Hamites, but some of these are Israelites. I want us to understand this. Don't play on. 
The investigation by Lighthouse Reports with The Independent, Der Spiegel, Radio France, and others documented how some African students who crossed the border to escape the war and were, were detained in a long-term holding facility outside Warsaw. One of the students described his ordeal to an activist. It, the sound is bad, so listen very carefully. To detain students says my mental health, I'm just scared, we escaped Ukraine, it was a very, very horrible experience, it was the worst week of my life, now we're under detention, at the beginning I thought I was kidnapped, he said. This is the brother of another student who says he was detained when he fled from Ukraine to Poland. some 52 Ukrainians who fled to Poland, quote, were admitted to guarded centers for foreigners, unquote. The International Organization for Migration, the IOM, says non-Ukrainians who have fled the war are being detained in at least three facilities in Poland. For more, we're joined by Ma Maud Julian, uh, investigations editor at Lighthouse Reports, which just published this package of stories last week. We welcome you to Democracy Now! Uh, can now, the reason I'm playing this, y'all, so y'all can see ourselves the disparities. So you got our brothers and sisters on the border held in detention centers, while, meanwhile, non, uh, I'm sorry, whites, so-called whites, they're allowed to enter into Europe. They're allowed to enter into the U.S. without nobody messing with them, man, without nobody tripping. They just, they can come. Their, their white privilege, that being their skin, they're, they're really red, though, allows them to go any and everywhere they want to go. But for us, like I said before, we got world nigga laws, man. They really do not like us as a people, as a nation. And like I was saying, y'all, some of these are Hamites, but a lot of, a lot of these people are Israelites. I'm going to continue to play this story. It's, it's kind of lengthy, man, but I wanna, want y'all to hear this. Tell us where the students were in Ukraine and how you located them in these different detention facilities from Estonia to Poland. So the, the students that we're aware of um, that we've been able to confirm are being held in Poland currently. There's four of them. Um, and when I say confirmed, it's because we have their student identification, but we're aware of six credible cases, actually, and we think that there's probably a lot more. But these students were studying in different cities in Ukraine, in Kharkiv, in Lutsk, in Kiev. They were studying um, 
telecommunications management language uh, languages, so in various fields. There's actually a total of uh, over 75,000 foreign students um, in Ukraine. And we were able to confirm for these four students that I was mentioning that they're held in one long-term detention facility that's 40 minutes away, a 40-minute drive from Warsaw, the capital of Poland. Um, initially, what happened is that we were contacted by activists who were saying that they were in touch with them, with foreign students claiming to be in detention. We were given the address, and I went to the detention center. I said that I was press. I gave the four students me. And the guards at the detention center um, told me to wait. They went in and they they came back out and told me, yeah, these four names are inside. And actually, there are 20 other um, African young African people who fled Ukraine who were in this camp. And then later on, we managed to obtain a letter, an official letter, um, from the Polish border guard confirming there were 52 people, um, party nationals, who fled the Ukrainian conflict in detention, and that was on March 15th. They confirmed 52 people. Um, there, there could be more, um, and, and we're aware of, of six people having been recently released. Um, this uh, letter you obtained from Poland's border police admitting 52 third-country nationals who had fled Ukraine had been taken to detention facilities in the weeks after Russia's invasion. If you can talk more about that, and you're in Dakar, Senegal now, where are the students from uh, around Africa? Are they from Senegal? Are they from Nigeria? Now listen to what she said they're from. So the students that, that you know, we're very much aware of, and we've also been speaking to their family members. We've spoken to several of them inside the center. They're from Cameroon and Nigeria. Um, Y'all hear that? They're from Cameroon and, and Nigeria, West Africa. And we know that that's where we left from. Those were the slave ports, y'all. So a lot of those people that they're detaining over there that flee Ukraine from, coming from the war are Israelites, man. Or Israelites, we're we're the most hated around the globe, man. So we're gonna get into when we deal with the issue or the story of the realm. Give me Job nine twenty four. And I always pull the scripture, brothers. I always pull the scripture, man. But this scripture just it just really hits home, man. It really does. And, and people always want to say that we, we take scriptures out of context and. This and that, man, but they're really looking at the Bible uh, from a religious lens instead of the history book that it is, man. Because the beautiful thing about the Bible is it leaves clues, man. It's like breadcrumbs to where you can identify every nation that's on the planet right now, man. But in, in, in particular, the so-called white man. Read this. Job 9.24. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. It says the earth is given to the hands of the wicked. Let's let's examine this real quick, y'all. If the, it means the earth is given, I mean the Most High. We know that the Most High puts in power people who he, who he wants to be in power. So the Most High gave the planet, the earth. The earth is the planet, the globe itself, all the dealings of the globe where you have control over the air, control over the water, control over food. Who has control over all these things, man? 
It's definitely so-called white man. It's, it's got to be him. He controls everything. When it comes to the U.S., whose face is on the money? Their, 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 their arm expands way beyond the U.S. border. Why do you think oil is traded in the U.S. dollar? So they can control everything. That's how America keeps its power. Through its, through its control by having power, and then it's military. Read it again. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. Read. He covers the faces of the judges thereof. When it says he covers the faces, this is talking about iconoclasm. When they, they, they painted over all the, uh, the icons in the Bible, like Peter, Paul, Yahweh Shai, who the world calls Christ, and they made them white. When they washed white, white washed all the icons that was left in Russia, in Asia, in Europe. That's what it's talking about. He covered the faces of the judges. You know, the Israelites are the judges. Christ said that whoever make it uh, with him through the regeneration shall sit in the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes. So Israel is the judge. Read. If not, where and who is he? If the so-called white man is not the wicked, then what and who is he, man? I mean, like, I'll wait. You can come up with who you think is, is uh, given to and who is the wicked. You can try to pull out your opinion. But bring me some proof, man. Bring me some proof that the so-called white man is not the wicked that the Bible speaks of. We're moving on to the next story, y'all. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. This weekend, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge finished a week-long visit to former British colonies in the Caribbean, Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. The trip comes after Barbados cut ties to the monarchy and became a republic last year. Now, I didn't know this. The Barbados became independent. They became a democracy. They cut ties from uh, the the crown, the queen. So they're their own nation now. But we're finding out that other nations in the Caribbean are doing the same thing, and Jamaica is about to make the same move. So listen to this, y'all. During the so-called Charm Offensive, the British Commonwealth countries, the royals were met with protests calling for reparations for slavery. A government committee in the Bahamas urged the royals to issue a, quote, full and formal apology for their crimes against humanity. Y'all hear that? Reparations for slavery. You've been hearing a lot of noise over here in the States about black and brown folks trying to get reparations for slavery. Well, this is going on globally. In all the places that the the slave ship went. So those uh, so-called Jamaicans, those are our brothers and sisters also, y'all. We know them as the tribe of Benjamin. They were on those slave ships also. And they crying, yelling about reparations and the genocide that was done to them. We're all one people, y'all. I hope y'all seeing and understanding this. They are people. In one meeting, Jamaica's Prime Minister, Andrew Holness, told Prince William his country would be, quote, moving on to become a republic. 
Y'all can't see this video, but the psychological trauma is real. So this is the president of Jamaica talking to, I guess, the, the king or England or whoever this clown is. He's talking to a white dude. He can't even look the dude in the face. He's barely looking him in the face. His voice is monotone. He all low. You can barely hear the dude, man. Those are the psychological of, of slavery, man. I read a book years ago called Psychological Trauma. I forget the, the author's name, but um, I ended up lending my book out. Mashab, you remember I? I lent him, I lent him my book right before he left. Man, I still did that. But anyway, in the book, it had a quiz that you you would take to see if you were psychologically traumatized, right? If you had psycho trauma. And one of the things that it lists was, do you feel uncomfortable? speaking or looking white people in the face when you talk to them. And when I seen this, I immediately thought of that book because I'm looking at this brother and he do. He's got that trauma all over him, man. And this is the president of Jamaica. But he's psychologically traumatized by the things that our ancestors had to go through and what he went through, man. Anyway. They changed the cover of it, yeah. Let me uh, sway on. ...to speak with a member of the Jamaican Parliament who met the royals during their tour and was accused of snubbing the Duchess, Kate Middleton, but says photographs that show her looking away misrepresent their cordial exchange. Lisa Hanna is a senior member of Jamaica's Parliament for the Opposition and a shadow minister for foreign affairs and foreign trade. She has a new piece in The Guardian headlined, I Did Not Snub Kate Middleton, but Jamaica needs more than royal regrets over slavery. Welcome to Democracy. Now it's great to have you with us. Um, can you just tell us exactly what happened and what you're calling for? Well, the truth is that you want to know what happened with the meeting, or you wanted to know what happened with what I'm calling for on the whole. Both. Okay. So I was at the airport representing the leader of the opposition, both myself and the Minister of Foreign Affairs and Foreign Trade, and we met. The Duchess of Cambridge, and we met um, Prince William coming off the plane, and we had cordial conversations. I think, like in anything else, there perhaps may have been a moment when um, a manipulated type of two-second video would have made it appear if I turned away from her. But there was nothing which, in that entire meeting, would have given the impression to her or to anyone else, based on the many, many photos and videos that are circulating online that we had nothing but a respectful, cordial, fun-loving conversation. And, you know, I welcomed her. It was her first time to Jamaica and told her some of the things that she could do apart from what she was doing in the, in the official duties. So that is what has happened. And I think the British press, ra- rather than looking at the matters at hand, which are critical and important and urgent, chose to use um, personalities to trump 
you know, the more important issues at hand. So that became more viral. I, I, See how Esau do, man? So they, they got a picture of his sister where it looks like she's kind of, you know, snubbing her nose up at this white lady, and they used that rather than covering the real story because they were supposed to be there to kind of smooth things over from all the atrocities and all the mistreatment of brown people that they did. And then it get, they get turned into the damn victims. <laughs> you know, it's just like Esau. they always the victim, man. And then we got to be the villains. I'm going to play some more of this, y'all. To subdue the issues of reparation that what the country was actually feeling. And indeed, many CARICOM nations are feeling at this point in terms of, oh, we would like to, you know, engage the United Kingdom government on where we need to now go as a region. I'm looking at some signs um, that um, uh, say. Now, these, these brothers and sisters was out, man, in droves, and they had signs talking about go back home. They had signs talking about uh, it's time to put an end to the genocide. And uh, what did that sign say that sister had up? She, they was going in on them, man. You know, just like that uh, sister, that uh, professor, the university went in on the queen when she died. Y'all remember that? These brothers and sisters is going in as well. But they're trying to get reparations, man. And I've covered this topic before, but I want to definitely touch on it again. So the definition for reparations, I want us to understand this. Reparations means repairing or keeping in repair. So that's what the, the, the definition of reparation means. It means to repair something, right? Repair something that you destroyed. Now, uh, one of the uh, synonyms for reparations is restitution, all right? One of the synonyms for reparation is restitution. And restitution is an act of restoring. Restitution is an act of restoring, y'all. Now, let's get at chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 1, because this is the real reparations according to the Bible, because if black people, black and brown people got reparations for the things that we've been through by way of financial gain, or even if it's land, man, first of all, we wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. If it's financial, we don't definitely give it back to our capital because we're still in captivity and we don't own nothing. We don't, man. This is what we would do. We would give it back, man. If we got land, like I said, we wouldn't know how to work the damn land anyway. And then, guess what? We have to still pay property taxes to who? (laughs) The people we're in captivity under. Read this. Acts 1 and 1. The former treaties I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach Mm -hmm. until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he went, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments Mm -hmm. unto the apostles whom he had chosen Mm -hmm. to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion. After his what? Passion. His passion is his people. Those being the Israelites. So this is Christ's passion. I know they made the movie, but this is his real passion. This is people. 
passion of the Christ, right? Read on. By many infallible proofs, mm-hmm. being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, mm-hmm. which, saith he, ye have heard of me. Mm-hmm. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they, therefore, were come together. Now, this is the part I want to get to. When the Israelites, therefore, had came together, read. They asked of him, saying. They asked of Yahweh Shai, who the world calls Christ, saying what? Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Will you at this time restore? Now, restore is one of the synonyms for reparations. And restore, or I'm sorry, Restitution is one of the synonyms for reparations. And what does restitution mean? It means to restore. So our reparations, the true reparations, is coming by way of Yahweh Shai. He's the only one that can give reparations. He's the only one that can restore us. I hope y'all are understanding this. Was that it? Was that verse? What yeah, verse was that? All right, let's get Isaiah chapter 42, and I want you to start at verse 22. This is the, this is the reason that Yahweh Shai, Christ, is the only way we're getting reparations and true reparations. Because if they, if they gave us land and money and all this other stuff, and we, let's say for, for uh, some miraculous turn of events, <laughs> We actually did right and made the money work for us, right? You know what still won't be repaired? Hold this. Give me Deuteronomy 28 and verse 28. Deuteronomy 28 and 28. The Lord shall smite thee with madness. <laughs> Who smites us with madness? The Lord. This is not going to be restored by no financial gain. No monetary gain. It says the Most High is going to smite us with madness. When it's talking about madness, it ain't talking about, ooh, I'm upset. It's talking about, I'm crazy. How many of our people you see walking around crazy as hell, man? Whether functional or dysfunctional. You know, they have a term uh, for addicts called functional addict or functional alcoholic. People that will be under the influence of drugs, that they still be functioning in their day-to-day life. But life be dysfunctional as hell. Well, a lot of us, we ain't on drugs, but we still dysfunctional because we damn crazy, man. We ill. What Christ said, he said, uh, the whole need not a physician. The scripture, and I think it's in Jeremiah, Isaiah said, the whole head is sick, meaning all the Israelites are sick. We read it here in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 28. Which one of us, who ain't got baggage? Who ain't got daddy issues, mama issues, childhood issues? A lot of us don't even know our damn daddy. A lot of us grew up as orphans. A lot of us were sexually abused, molested by relatives. That's, that type of stuff don't rub off, y'all. That type of stuff stay with you for the rest of your life. Who's going to give us repairing from that? Definitely not no damn money. All right, go back to Isaiah. 
Isaiah 42 and 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. It said we robbed and spoiled, man. This is definitely talking about us. We don't appreciate nothing. Nothing's never enough for us. Read. They are all of them snared in holes. We're putting holes, man. We ain't put in boxes. We put in damn uh, trick bags. We just can't find our way out of them. Psychologically, spiritually. Read. And they are hid in prison houses. And which one of us ain't got a relative that's in jail, been to jail, on the way to jail, drugging and thugging? Come on, man. This is familiar amongst who? Amongst us, black and brown people. Read. They are for a prey, and none deliver it. It says that we've been set up for a prey. A prey is what a hunter hunts. So the Most High put us in this position to be hunted. What was that damn minister society and Charles S. Dutton stood up and said, uh, the prey is on, or the hunt is on, and you the prey. Talking about us as black and brown people. Read. Spoil and none sayeth restore. Before a spoil, and ain't nobody talking about, hey, we got to restore these people. We got to restore these people to their glory. That being the glory of the Most High and how we were glorious and prosperous under the umbrella of the Most High. You wonder why black folks ain't came together and did something with ourselves? Why we ain't united? Because we always want to unite under the wrong stuff. We ain't Muslims. Ain't no damn million man march gonna get us up out of here. We ain't no damn Antifa. We ain't Democrats. Ain't none of that crap gonna get us out of here. We always unite under the wrong thing. Well, we need to pull our finances together. We need to try that. Been there, done that. Remember Black Wall Street and countless other black communities that that was like Black Wall Street? Didn't work. Why? All under the wrong umbrella, the wrong faith, the wrong powers. When we come back and get under the power and control of the Most High, we can do anything. Read. Yeah, keep going. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken? Who's going to listen to this? Who's going to really comprehend this? Read. And here for the time to come. Read. Who gave Jacob for a spoil? It's a it question, right? Who gave us for a spoil? Read. And Israel to the robbers. And who gave us to the robbers? Read. Did not the Lord. <laughs> what? Did not the Lord. Wasn't it the most high? So if he gave us to go through all of this, then who's the only one that can get us out of this? The Lord. <laughs> Read. He against whom we have sinned. Why did he put us in this? He against whom we have sinned. We keep breaking his laws. Read. For they would not walk in his ways. We just keep being niggers. Read. Neither were they obedient unto his law. Read. Therefore, he hath poured upon him the fury of his anger. The most high had poured his fury out on us. He took it out on us. He, he grabbed the big belt, and he'd been whooping our tail. 
rightly so. We deserve every bit of it, man. There is no way you can read this Bible and say that the people in this book is white. Because this ain't even white people's mannerisms. Ain't nobody hard-headed. And that is the truth. Read. And the strength of battle, and it has set him on fire round about. And it has set us on fire to where we just don't know if we're coming or going. We just uncomfortable in our own skin, in our own houses and communities and families. That's why we dysfunctional as hell. Read. Yet he knew not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. And all the drama and turmoil we're going through, we don't just stop and think, man, there's got to be a high power right now. <laughs> I'm doing everything that America told me to do. I went to school. I got a job. I'm, I paid my taxes. I vote. But, man, I'm still going through all this stuff. Who's stopping to think that, hey, man, something's just not right? There's got to be a higher power against me right now. Ain't nobody thinking like that, though. Everybody think, oh, this is supposed to happen because we're so used to it. You have generations upon generations going through Deuteronomy 28, (laughs) and ain't nobody just click. When we'll say dumb stuff like, man, it's just a generational curse, and it is, but not just in your family. It's on a broader scale. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, is the generational curse of the Israelites. Was that it? Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to St. John chapter 16, verse 33. <clears throat> and if y'all want to get some more, get, uh, uh, more information, that was from Democracy Now uh, website, man. That was those were some great articles. But the sister went on and she was calling uh, some Edomites out, man, for all the atrocities they done. Pretty interesting article. Read this. Saint John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken unto you. Now, this is Jehovah Shah, Christ speaking. Read. That in me ye might have peace. When he says in him we'll have peace in his reparations, in his repairing, restoring Israel as God's chosen people. We'll have that peace by us applying his book, which he calls the comforter. We'll have that peace. Read. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But the the reparations that the world wanted, not even wanting, <laughs> the reparations that we're petitioning from, or petitioning for from the world, that's going to give us nothing but tribulations, man. Because it's not going to repair our psychological issues, our spirit. It ain't going to repair our families. It ain't going to repair none of the trauma that you went through. So I want y'all to really think and ponder on that when you even think about reparations. Let's get Acts chapter 4 and verse 10. Start at verse 10. Acts 4 and 10. Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel. To all the people of who? Israel. No, the whole world. Israel. See, y'all don't know what y'all be reading when y'all be in the New Testament, man. 
Come on, all the Israelites died out. I don't know where you get that nonsense from. This whole book is about Israel. People's history, their battles, their triumphs, the whole nine, the whole book. Don't be thrown off by some of the terminology in the New Testament, y'all. It's still talking about us. Read that again. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel. Read. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Whom It says, whom ye crucified. We killed Christ. Remember we said, let his blood be upon us and our children. Man, can't be talking about nobody but black and brown people. Only us, only us will say something as ignorant as that. Read. Even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Now this, now, this is the disciples. They had just healed the man. They said, only by Christ did we do this, did we heal this man. He's standing here before y'all whole right now. Read. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, mm-hmm. which is become the head of the corner. Mm-hmm. Neither is there salvation. Now, this is the part I wanted to get to. Read that again. Neither is there salvation any other. Ain't no salvation in any other than Yahweh who the world calls Christ. Ain't no other salvation but in Christ, man. Read. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. Meaning what? Now, the Marcus Garvey saved us, uh, Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Che Guevara, uh, who else? Nat Turner, uh, what's Dumar Dempsey, uh, Harriet Tubman, uh, Tucson Overture. None of them saved us, and this is why. Read that part again. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Why we must be saved, y'all. I hope y'all get that and understand that, man. The only salvation, the only reparation is Jehovah Shai, y'all. No, <laughs> Obama, what about Obama? <laughs> Stop. All right, y'all, we're going to take a brief intermission, and we're going to come back with the topic at hand, Salvation Through Esther, the story of Perrin.
do you need it? Mashaba, man, every time I hear that song, I think about you. I, <laughs> that's, I'll be like, that's a blog talk song. <laughs> All good, y'all. So we back. We back, man. So let's dive into this topic. So we're in the midst of Parim. Uh, I believe Parim, the official day was, what, yesterday, I think it was? For Parim, Shabbos, you got the dates. Hit me up, please. Now, I know some brothers have celebrated already. Uh, some brothers are going to celebrate it uh, here in the near future. But I just want to give uh, a summary and understanding on what Parim is, man. So with that said, let's go to the rest of Esther, y'all. The rest of Esther in the Apocrypha. Um, chapter 1 So it says chapter 1 And it's at the bottom of the page uh, If you got your apocrypha To the left So it says uh, placed in the Greek Before chapter 1 Of the Hebrew Alright so that's where we starting at Let me catch up with you Now Esther The book of Esther takes place Doing the Persian Mede captivity, y'all. So that's the backdrop. So I'm going over the captivities of the southern kingdom, and this is uh, one of the captivities that the southern kingdom was in. So let's start that. Start, uh, start right there. In the second year of the reign of Artaxerxes the Great, in the first day of the month Nisan, Mardokius, the son of Jairus, the son of Semei, the son of Sizay. Now, hold on. Uh, let me get this, y'all. It says in the second year of the reign of uh, Artaxerxes, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in um, in the Bible, he's referred to as Ahasuerus. So Ahasuerus and uh, Artaxerxes are the same, and this Artaxerxes would be uh, Artaxerxes the first, I believe. Let me get home with uh, Bible Apple. Let me fact check real quick just to make sure I got that right. Yeah, so Ahasuerus is actually Xerxes or Artaxerxes uh, the first, y'all. So the... Uh, what they call him in the Apocrypha, Artaxerxes mm-hmm. is Xerxes the first, and he's referred to in the Bible as Ahasuerus, but they're all the same. So it's the same king, y'all. Okay. Sorry about that, y'all. All right, go ahead. Of the tribe of Benjamin had a dream. No, I'm sorry. Let's read it again. In the second year of the reign of Artaxerxes the Great, in the first day of the month Nisan, Marcadocius, or Mardocius, the son of Jairus, the son of Semei, the son of Tisei, and of the tribe of Benjamin, had a dream. Who now, was? That's uh, Marcadocius. That's talking about Mordecai. Or Mar- yeah. Mordecius is Mordecai? Yeah, Mordecius okay. is Mordecai, y'all. So he's referred to, because you got to remember, y'all, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. 
the apocrypha in the New Testament was written in Greek. So the names are not going to be the same. So this Mordokius is talking about uh, Mordecai. That's what he's referred to as in the Bible. So reading on. Who was a Jew and dwelt a great man being a servitor in the king's court. So he was employed uh, of the king at the Xerxes. And like I went over in my uh, segment that I'm doing about the, cap- the southern captivity, we always had jobs in the nations that conquered us, y'all. So this brother had a job working for the king. Read. He was also one of the captives which Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, carried from Jerusalem with Jeconias, king of Judah. And this was his dream. And this is how you know, man. I love reading chapters like this, man, or just the apocrypha in general. But it matches directly up with the Bible. So it's talking about the Babylonian captivity right here, which is in the Bible. And it, like I said, corresponds with the Bible. Those other books that brothers be trying to pull out, talking about the book of Esther and the Enoch and all the other crap, they don't even correspond with the Bible, man. That's how you know it's not a, a chemical book or it ain't got nothing to do with the Bible, man. It's garbage. Anyway, read on. So this is Mordecai's dream. Let's get back to the point. Read. Verse 5. Behold, a noise of a tumult with thunder and earthquakes mm-hmm. and uproar in the land. And behold, two great dragons came forth ready to fight, Mm -hmm. and their cry was great. And at their cry, all nations were prepared to battle, Mm -hmm. that they might fight against the righteous people. And lo, a day of darkness and obscurity, tribulation and anguish, affliction and great uproar upon the earth. And the whole righteous nation was troubled fearing their own evils, and were ready to perish. Then they cried unto God, and upon their cry, as it were from a little flood, even much water, the light and the sun rose up, and the lowly were exalted and devoured the glorious. Mm -hmm. Now when Mardokius, who had seen this dream and what God had determined to do, was awake, he bare this dream in mind, and until night, by all means, was desirous to know it. So Mardokius or Mordecai had this dream, and he woke up wanting to know what the meaning of the dream meant. Now, we're going to jump over in the same page, on the same page, the same book of Esther, the rest of Esther, in the Apocrypha. We're going to go to where it says, part of the 10th chapter after the Greek, y'all. So that's where we're going. Is right at the top, right here. Okay. Okay. Now, this is the interpretation of the dream that he had. Read this. Then Mardokius said, God has done these things, for I remember a dream which I saw concerning these matters, and nothing thereof hath failed. Mm-hmm. A little fountain became a river, and there was light and the sun and much water. This river is Esther. This river is who? Esther. So the river that he talked about in the dream, Esther. We're going to find out who she is in a little bit. Read. Whom the king married and made queen. Mm -hmm. 
And the two dragons are I and Amon. He said the two dragons is me and this cat named Haman. Now, in the Bible, he's referred to uh, as Haman. But in the Apocrypha, it's Haman. So he's letting you know the dragons was him and his cat named Haman. Read. And the nation. I'm sorry. So let, while we on that, let's get that. We'll come back to this. Hold this and let's go to um, Esther in the Bible now, chapter 3 and verse 1. So we're going to put all the pieces together, y'all. So Esther chapter 3. And we're going to start at verse 1. And we're learning. I don't know if y'all seen this or not, but um, Nehemiah, um Mordecai, were all in the same captivity, y'all. These brothers and sisters were all in the same captivity, but the, they were in the Babylonian captivity together. Now they're in the Persian me captivity together. All right. Esther 3 and 1. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha. Now, once again, this, this uh, Ahasuerus is Xerxes the first, right, as we refer to in the Apocrypha. Now, this Haman is Amon that's referred, he's referred to Amon in the Apocrypha, right? It's the same dude. But read that again. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, Mm -hmm. and advanced him and set his seat above the princes that were with him. This dude, Haman, it says he was the son of Hamidia, the Agai, right? So let's find out who this dude, uh, where his lineage is from, what nation he was from. So let's go to First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 8. First Samuel chapter 15, and we're going to read it First Samuel 15 and 8. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekite, alive. Now, this is uh, Saul. So the Most High told him to kill all the Amalekites. But Saul took King uh, Ahad of the Amalekites. He took him alive. Now, what nation did it say that Agag was from? The Amalekites. Now, this was the father of Haman. All right, I want us to keep all of this in mind. Now we got to find out who the Amalekites are. So let's get Genesis chapter 36. And we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to jump around a little bit. Once again, y'all, we're determining where this dude Haman was from. What, what was his nationality? That's what we're trying to get. This is very important. 
as it pertains to the storyline. That's why we're doing all of this. So Genesis chapter, I said 36, right? Mm-hmm. 36 and verse 1. Read that. Genesis 36 and 1. Mm-hmm. Now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. All right. So this is Esau's genealogy. Esau is also called Edom. And we know through Genesis 25th chapter that Esau is the so-called white man. That chapter and other chapters also. Uh, which gives characteristics and mannerisms. Now, jump down to verse 9. And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in Mount Seir. So Esau is the father of the Edomites. Now, jump down to verse, uh, matter of fact, keep reading. These are the names of Esau's sons. So this is Esau's uh, offspring, his sons. Read. Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau. Reuel, the son of Bashimath, the wife of Esau. Mm-hmm. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, mm-hmm. Omar, Zepho, and Gatam, and Kanaz. Now, jump to verse 15. These were the dukes of the sons of Esau. So Esau had sons, and then their sons became dukes. So all this is from the lineage of Esau, the so-called white man. Read. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, Duke Taman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, Duke Kanaz. Mm-hmm. Read on. Duke Korah, Duke Gatam, and Duke Amalek. Duke whom? Amalek. Duke who? Amalek. This is where we get the Amalekites from. Duke Amalek. So Haman, whose son, uh, whose father was Agite, was a Amalekite. Are we seeing this? But the Amalekites come from what nation or what group of people? Esau. They come from Esau. So Haman, or Ammon, as they call, they call him the Apocrypha, he was an Edomite. I hope everybody is seeing this. So-called white person. Now, let's go to Genesis 27 chapter. We're going to get some characteristics of the Amalekites who were Edomites. So Genesis 27 and start at verse 41. Genesis 27, 41. And Esau hated Jacob. Now. Esau is the brother of Jacob. It says that Esau what? Hated Jacob. He hated Jacob. And we're going to find out that these people have a perpetual hatred for us. Read. Because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. So, and go back and read this story. Jacob came in dressed up like his older brother Esau, and he got the blessing that was entitled to the firstborn son. And a lot of people like to say uh, Esau swindled Jacob out of his birthright, but not so. Go back to Genesis chapter 25, you find out that Esau sold his birthright to Jacob anyway. Read on. And Esau said in his heart, 
the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. He said, man, I'm going to mourn for my daddy, but after that, I'm going to kill his name. Now, this is way back in the day before Esau even had kids. So what do you think he passed down to his children? That same hatred. Read on. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Like, man, your brother's going to kill you. This is the mama going through this turmoil with one of her kids trying to kill the other. But listen to what she said. Read. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. Yeah, get you the hell out of here for your brother kill you. <laughs> now, let's go to Genesis chapter 25. So, I took us there to see the perpetual hatred that Esau had for his brother Jacob, which he passed down to his children, the Amalekites, and it manifests and Haman, and we're going to get to that. So Genesis chapter 25, sort of verse 22. Genesis chapter 25, verse 22. And the children struggled together within her. And now, this is the scene of the birth, or the, I'm sorry, the pregnancy. Jacob and Esau was in Rebecca's womb, and it says, and the children struggled together within her, meaning they were what? Fighting. They were fighting in the womb. Read on. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? She said, if this is a blessing, then why am I going through all of this? Read. And she went to inquire of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. Said, it's two nations in there. Meaning what? Read. And two manner of people. That they have different mannerism. They're not the same people. They're two different nations. And these two nations don't get along. Read. Shall be separated from thy bowels. Mm-hmm. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And you're going to have one of these kids going to be stronger than the other. He's going to birth a strong nation. The other one is going to birth a weak nation. Read. And the elder shall serve the younger. And the older brother is going to serve the younger. And that's backwards because the younger was supposed to be serving the elder. Read. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. So twins. In the in uh, Rebecca's womb, we're going to find out these twins were not identical. Because remember, two they had two different mannerisms. So these are what you call, what they call them, paternal twins. Read. And the first came out red all over like an hairy garment. And the first had a birth defect. Because before this, all the people of the earth were of a brown complexion. You can read that in Genesis chapter. The two seven it tells you that a uh, man was formed from the dust of the ground. There is no ground in the world that's red. You can say all oh, the red red dirt of uh, Georgia, Alabama, but yeah, that dirt is brown 
and has a red U to it, but it ain't red. It ain't fire engine red. There's only one people that's walking around the face of the globe that's a color of fire engine red, and that's the so-called white man. That's who he's talking about right here. So this dude had a birth defect. Read. And the first came out red all over like in hairy garment. And, and the other characteristics is hairy as hell. Read. And they called his name Esau. Read. And after that came his brother out. And his hand took hold on Esau's heel. So his brother Jacob, Esau came out first. Jacob came out right behind him. And then Jacob's hand was on Esau's heel. Read. And his name was called Jacob. Now, the, his hand was on his heel because they still fighting. They fighting all throughout her pregnancy, man. Whew. The lady went through some stuff. And then they fighting that conception. They come, I'm, so, I'm sorry, fighting that birth. They coming out of the womb. Read. And Isaac was three score years old. When Isaac was 60 years old when he had these uh, twins. Now, let's go to Psalms 137, verse 7. Now, remember, y'all, we're getting all this information on on uh, Esau because Haman or Haman descended from them or descended from him. Psalms 137. You got it? Yes. Yeah. By the rivers of... Sorry. Read verse 7. Okay. Psalm 137 and 7. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom... The children of who? Edom. Remember, talking about the same people. These are Esau's children. Because remember, Esau is the father of the Edomites. So he said, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom. Read. In the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it. Raise it, even to the foundation thereof. When he says the day of Jerusalem, he's talking about the day when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. This is what he's talking about. Esau was with them. All right? He participated. Because remember, he had a hatred, has a hatred for his brother Jacob, a perpetual hatred. You right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's get... Um, first Ezra's in the Apocrypha chapter 4 and verse 45 mm-hmm. so we're going to first Ezra chapter 4 and verse 45 Thou also hast vowed to build up the temple, which the Edomites burned when Judea was made desolate by the Chaldees. You see that? This goes hand in hand with what we just read in Psalm chapter 137. It says that the Edomites burned Judea when the, the, the Chaldeans made it desolate. The Chaldeans are talking about the Babylonians, man, which would be your current day uh, Ethiopian. But Esau was there, man. The Edomites was there. They partook in that. Why? Because they had that perpetual hatred for us. Now let's go to Obadiah chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 8. Obadiah. 
You got it? Mm-hmm. Read. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom? So this is most hot talking about destroying the wise men out of Edom. Once again, Esau's kids, his nation. Read. And understanding out of the mount of Esau. Read. And thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed. Now, remember, Teman was one of Esau's kids. We got his lineage already, but this is a future prophecy. He said, man, in that day I'm going to destroy y'all. Read. To the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. So the Most High said he's going to slaughter the Edomites. Read. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob. But why is he going to slaughter him? For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, Read. shame shall cover thee, mm-hmm. and thou shalt be cut off forever. Read. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gate and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou... What's one of them? He said, this day, this day he's talking about is when the Babylonians sacked and burned the first temple, man, Solomon's temple. Esau was there. He partook in this. This is why the Most High say he's going to pay this dude back. Read. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger, neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, neither shouldest thou have the southern kingdom, which was uh, took into captivity under the Babylonians. This is what he's talking about. Read. Neither shouldest thou have spoken in the day of distress. Mm-hmm. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea. Thou shouldest not have have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance. Because they, what they did, they robbed us too, as well as the Babylonians. Read. In the day of their calamity. Uh-huh. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his of his that did remain in the day of distress. So they were not just, uh, they didn't just participate in the destruction of the temple. They participated as being bounty hunters to go and get the ones of us that had escaped out of Jerusalem. And he, they was actually bringing us, bringing them back as slaves. So that, that dog, the bounty hunter dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Read on. The day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen as thou hast done. It shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Meaning that Esau got to go through the same exact things that they put us through. Now let's get Judges chapter 11 and verse 17. Judges chapter 11, verse 17, read that. Then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, 
Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. So this is when we were about to go and get the promised land with the brother uh, Joshua. It says, let us pass through your land. We sent this message to the king uh, of Edom. Read. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. He wouldn't let us. He wouldn't even listen to us. Now, let's get First Samuel chapter 15, verse 6. So because he wouldn't listen, he wouldn't let us pass through his land, so he didn't. Remember, they had a perpetual hatred, or have a perpetual hatred, for the children of Israel. First Samuel 15 and 6. And Saul said unto the Kenite, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites. Get away from the Amalekites, and the Amalekites is Esau's kids, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel. So the Kenites, they showed kindness to us when we came through their land. Read. When they came up out of Egypt, mm-hmm. so the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. But the Amalekites, they didn't show us no kindness. Why the Most High told Saul to murk them, to kill them all. Now let's get Esther. Let's go back to Esther now. Chapter 2 now in the Bible. And start at verse 5. Esther 2 and 5. Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai. Now, remember in the Apocrypha, he was called something else. What was he called in the Apocrypha? Mardokius. Mardokius. All right? Mardokius, Mordecai, same person. Remember, he was a Jew. Meaning, so after the Babylonian captivity, they start referring to all of us as Jews, all of Israel. But uh, in particular, uh, it was in the southern kingdom with Judah, Benjamin, and some of the Levites, half the tribe of Levi. Read on. Whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, or Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, mm-hmm. who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Mm-hmm. And he brought up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for her own daughter. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her her things for purification. 
So she found favor amongst all these women. Y'all go back and read the story, but essentially King of Hazarus or Xerxes, he had a beauty pageant because his queen was tripping, so he was replacing her with someone else. Read. With such things as belonged to her and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maidens unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not shewed her people nor her kindred. What does it say? Esther had not shewed her people nor her kindred. So Esther did not show everybody that she was a Jew. She kept that on the low. And no different than today, man. We can't let everybody know we Israelites. You can't let everybody at your job know you Israel. Some stuff, sometimes you got to keep it on the low who you is. It ain't nothing wrong with that, man. That's wisdom. This is what she was doing right here. Read on. For Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now, when every maid's turn was come to go in to King Ahasuerus. We're going to read 23, all right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After that, she had been 12 months, according to the manner of the women. For so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of the women. Then thus came every maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given her to go with to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women, to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her and that she were called by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the son, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. Mm -hmm. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Read. So Esther was taken unto the king unto King Ahasuerus into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month to best in the seventh year of his reign. You know, I like verse fifteen. It says that she uh, she required nothing but what was given to her, man. Meaning she didn't need no extra stuff. She didn't need the extra damn uh, eyelashes that women is wearing, looking like they got damn spiders on their eyes. All the extra makeup and apparel and stuff. She 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 only needed what was given her. Man, she had what's called natural beauty. Read on. Verse seventeen. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Man. That's an unheard of saying these days. It says all the virgins. There were many virgins. 
not just one, many. Let that sink in. Real. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. Mm-hmm. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. Because he raised her, man. She was respectful. This is the stuff you don't see this day and age. Children being respectful of their elders. That even that ain't really their parents, but if you treat them like they're your parents. Read. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king. Now, I want us to really pay close attention to this. These two cats were conspiring to lay hands on the king. Read. Ahasuerus. Mm-hmm. And the thing was known to Mordecai. And Mordecai found out their plot to put hands on the king, read. Who told it unto Esther the queen. Mm-hmm. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. So Mordecai dropped down, told it to Esther, then Esther dropped down, let the king know, read. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree. So these two uh, cats that was conspiring got murdered, read. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. Now let's jump over to the rest of Esther in the Apocrypha, chapter 12. It's the same story, but it gives give us a little bit more detail of how this stuff really went down. You got it? Okay. Chapter 12? Mm-hmm. Chapter 12, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Mardokius took his rest in the court with Gabasa and Thara. The, the, the same cat. The two eunuchs of the king and keepers of the palace. Mm-hmm. And he heard their devices and searched out their purposes and learned that they were about to lay hands upon Adazerthes, the king. And so he certified the king of them. Then the king examined the two eunuchs, and after that they had confessed it. They were strangled. Right, and it tells in the Bible that they were hung, but same thing, read. And the king made a record of these of these things, and Mardokius also wrote thereof. So the king commanded Mardokius to serve in the court, and for his for this he rewarded him. Howbeit, Amon the son of Amadathus the Agagite, or the Agite, who was in great honor with the king, sought to molest Mardokius and his people because of the two eunuchs 
of the king. So he was mad that Mordecai snitched on his boy. So he knew these people. He knew these people, and he was plotting against the king also, y'all. Now, let's go to uh, chapter 16 of Esther in the Apocrypha. And we're gonna we gonna I want you to read verse one, then we're gonna jump. In the Apocrypha, the rest of Esther. Mm-hmm. Read that. The great king Adaxerxes unto the princes and governors of an hundred and seven and twenty provinces from India unto Ethiopia, and unto all our faithful subjects greeting. Now jump down to verse uh ten. For Amon, a Macedonian uh, who? A Macedonian This is Haman And Haman, we know, is a, a Agite And the Agite are the Amalekites Which are Esau's children And it also refers to him as a what? A Macedonian So the Macedonians are children of who? Esau Esau, these Esau kids Read the son of Amadasa, being indeed a stranger from the Persian blood. See, he was not a Persian. That's why I say he was a stranger from the Persian blood. He was a Macedonian. Read. And far distant from our goodness, and as a stranger received of us. It said he was distant from his goodness. Me, uh, their goodness. He didn't have the same mannerism as them. Read. Had so far forth obtained the favor that we shew toward every nation as that he was called our father and was continually honored of all men as the next person unto the king. He was the second in line up under the king, this dude was, and he wasn't even from their nation. Read. But he, not bearing his great dignity, went about to deprive us of our kingdom and life. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to find out what it's talking about. He's trying to deprive them of the kingdom and, the, and their life, read. Having thought of us the destruction as well of Mardokius who saved our life and continually procured our good as also a blameless Esther partaker of our kingdom with their whole nation. So this dude Haman was conspiring from the jump, and he was down with those two traitors that Mordecai uh, sent in. They were working with him and for him to do what? Read. For by these means he thought, finding us destitute of friends, to have translated the kingdom of the Persians to the Macedonians. To who? The Macedonians. This Haman was trying to take over from the inside. He was a spy, man. He was a spy, and Mordecai peeped this dude out and his boys and handed his boys over. This is why he was mad, because Mordecai turned his boys over to the king, and his boys got murked, because they were operatives of Haman, or companions of Haman, I should say. Now let's go to Esther. In the Bible, chapter 3, 
and we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to do a, some, a lot of reading, y'all. All right, read that. 3 and 1. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadasa, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his feet above all the princes that were with him. He promoted this dude. This dude was conspiring against him the whole time. Read. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. So Mordecai wouldn't bow. Read. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. You're going to read this whole chapter. For he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had shewed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. So the reason this holiday is so important is because we were on the brink of annihilation by this Haman dude, who we find out is a children of, of Edomite, of the Edomites, Esau's kids, who has a perpetual hatred for us. Read. In the first month, that is, the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast Pur, that is, the lot, before Haman from day to day, and from month to month to the twelfth month, that is, the month Adar, and Haman said unto King Ahasuerus. So they, when it says that they uh, they cast per, they some of they were taking bets on whether or not Haman could get rid of the Jews to get rid of us as a people. Read. There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of that kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. So you see how he, he, he right here dropping down and trying to persuade the king to murk us? He ain't even told who the people are. He just says a certain people, right? Real crafty. Mm-hmm. Read. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasury. Mm-hmm. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, Agagite, the Jew's enemy. And he's the what? Jew's enemy. Because remember, Esau's kids, the Agites or the Amalekites, had a perpetual hatred or have a perpetual hatred for us. Read. And the king said unto Haman, the silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Mm-hmm. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province and to the rulers of every people and of every province according to the writing thereof 
and to every people after their language. In the name of, of King Ahasuerus was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. We were sentenced to death as a nation. Read. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, that they should be ready against that day. The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city Shushan was perplexed. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatach, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatach went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them to shew it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatach came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spake unto Hatach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. So this is Esther saying, man, I could die if I go in and talk to the king. Read. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to, to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Don't think that you're going to escape just because you're sitting up with the king. You're still a Jew. You're still an Israelite. This faith is going to partake. With, uh, you're going to partake in this faith also because you are Israelite. Read. For if thou altogether holdest my peace at this time, then 
shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. He said, hey, if you don't do nothing about it, don't worry about it. The Most High is going to save us from somebody else. Read. But thou and thy, thy father's house shall be destroyed. But your, your lineage is going to be cut off right now. Read. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And he said, you don't know. The Most High probably put you in a position that you're in for this particular time right here. And the reason he said that is this. Let's get Nehemiah chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 27. Yes, right before this. Nine and seven. Mm-hmm. There. Start verse twenty-six. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee. Talking about us, read. And cast thy law behind their back, mm-hmm. and slew thy prophets, which testified against them to turn them to to thee, and they wrought great provocation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies, who vexed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors. Gave them who? Saviors. Gave them who? Saviors. Mashah was doing an excellent series on this, y'all. The Most High has always given us saviors that did what? Who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. This is what biblical salvation is all about, being saved from our captivity and from our, from our enemies. Now let's go back to Esther chapter, uh, what was that, chapter 4. And what verse will we read in? Verse 15, I believe. Mm-hmm. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. All right, we're going to read on, y'all. We got like four minutes, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going, man. So some of y'all are going to get clicked off. Oh, yeah, I'm going to better hear the rest of it. But uh, go back to the archives and catch it. But we're almost done. We're going to run a little over this morning. Read. Verse 5. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house and it was so when the king saw esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight and the king held out to esther the golden scepter that was in his hand so esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter then said the king unto her what Wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be given, it shall be even given thee to the house of the kingdom. And Esther answered, 
If it seemed good until Whoa, wait a minute. He said he's gonna give her half of the kingdom. Man. She must really was making his toes curl. <laughs> he's like, girl, what you want? Half of the kingdom. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. My heart belongs to you. <laughs> And Esther answered, if it seemed good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, cause Haman to make haste that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Man, Esther setting them up right here, y'all. Very intricate plots. Read. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is, If I found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king hath said. Mm-hmm. Then went Haman forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. So Haman is thinking, hey, I got invited to the banquet. and nobody else get invited. I'm the man. Then he saw Mordecai and his jaws got tight. Read. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh, his wife. So he refrained himself like, man, I ain't going to let him mess my day up. I'm going by my day. So he got to the crib, called his partners up. Read. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. He just know he got it going on. He bragging about his success. Read. Haman said, moreover, yea, Esther the queen, did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself. I'm the only one who got invited to the banquet with the king and his wife. Read. And tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. Read on. Yet all this availeth me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. This nigga. <laughs> Read. Then says the wretch, his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Hey, hang that. I, I said nigga. is nigger. Hang that nigger. <laughs> Read. <laughs> then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet, and the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. All right. We keep reading. Chapter 6, verse 1. On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. So the king couldn't sleep. Some was bothering him. We know it was the most high. So he asked for the records to be brought to him. Read. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bixana and Teresh, 
two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. You remember that plot that Haman was in with those two cats? The king is reading about it now. And this shows also that other nations kept records, y'all. They be trying to act like the Israelites weren't in no historical books and our uh, events and the things that happened to us wasn't recorded by other nations, and it was. Read. And the king said, what honor and dignity have been done to Mordecai for this? I mean, hey, what, what, what happened to him? Did he get rewarded for this? He saved my life. Read. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, there is nothing done for him. And the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in. And the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? He thought that this celebration and all the hoorah was about him. Read. And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought, which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. So this is all the stuff that he wants. <laughs> like, this is the stuff I want to do. Read. And let this apparel and horse be delivered into the hand of the one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man withal, whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, and take the apparel and the horse as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew. What? To who? Mordecai the Jew. To who? Mordecai the Jew. <laughs> Talk about a face being cracked. Read on. That sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. This dude right here, I know he was sick. I know he was sick because he hated. Now you got to array him and honor him and give him the praise that you thought you were worthy of to be given by him? (laughs) Ain't that something? Read. Verse 12. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but... Haman hasted to his house mourning and having his head covered. He was mourning. You know, the scripture tells us in Thessalonians, it it is a righteous thing with the most high to recompense those tribulations, uh, recompense tribulation to those that trouble thee. We're reading it right here, man. The most high is faithful, read. And Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, Everything that had befallen him. Mm-hmm. 
Then said his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. Now, now his wife is prophesying. prophesying. Man, you're going to die, babe. <laughs> Read. And while they were yet talking with him. Now, remember, she the one that gassed him up to told him to, to make the damn gallows to hang Mordecai on. It's your fault. <laughs> Read. And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. So while he was just talking, counseling with his wife, who came in to bring him to the banquet? Read. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, is thy petition, Queen Esther. On the second day? This banquet went on for a couple of days, huh? Read. And it shall be granted thee, and what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the house of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, Man, this was a smart sister. You see how she got them sipping on a little something? Because it's a banquet of wine. She got them sipping on a little something, loosening them up. She already had his nose wide open. But how much more was his nose wide open with a little drink and drink in him? Read. If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Now, she, well, she found favor in the king's eyes. She's just rubbing it in. Sister, something else, man. Go ahead. Well, we are... Hey, come on, man. You can't tell me this, these ain't black people, man. Who else move like this? Read on. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. So, and I want to make this clear, man. Yes, this sister is using her sister attributes, but she's using it in righteousness, man, to save her nation. Esther was a savior, y'all. She was one of the saviors the most high sent. Read. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? Man, baby, who want to hurt you and your people? Who trying to kill your nation? Now, where that nigga at? <laughs> King raised up. Where he at? <laughs> Read. And Esther said, the adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman. That white boy right there. <laughs> Read. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen. For he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Man, he saw a beggar for his life. Read. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. He was on the way? And Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. That is not a good look, man. What was that? Uh, <laughs> uh, come on, man. Minister of Society. Bill Duke with that long finger when he had him in the dude in interrogation. You know you just effed up, right? You know you just effed up. <laughs> 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 
read. <laughs> then said the king, will he force the queen also before me in the house? He's going to take my woman right here in front of me? What? Read. As the word went out of the king's mouth, <laughs> they covered Haman's face. He didn't even get to finish his sentence. They, they covered him up, wrapped his head up. Harbinah, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Man, look at the most high working, man. Nothing but the most high putting these spirits of people. Hey, man, you know he built gallows to hang Mordecai. You know Mordecai is your friend. He saved your life. <laughs> Read. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. Hang that white boy on those, on those gallows that he made for Mordecai. And I can just see it too, man. He, they came in, threw, probably threw a, a blanket over his fool head to drug him out. I remember back in, in school, man, we used to throw uh, coats over people's head and, and whoop on them. But anyway, that's not another story. Go ahead. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Then the king was satisfied. Now, let's go to uh, the rest of Esther in the Apostles 16 now. And let's go to verse 14. For by these means he thought, finding us destitute of friends. Now, the he is talking about Haman or Haman. He thought that they didn't have friends, read. To have translated the kingdom of the Persians to the Macedonians. Because what was uh, Haman's whole purpose? His whole purpose was to to, uh, usurp authority and to infiltrate the Persian Empire so the Macedonians could come into power. But it wasn't a time yet, read. But we find that the Jews whom this wicked wretch had delivered to utter destruction are no evildoers. So the Jews ain't no evildoers. They good people. Remember, Mordecai saved my life. (laughs) Read. But live by most just laws, Mm -hmm. and that they be children of the most high and most mighty living God, who hath ordered the kingdom both unto us and to our progenitors in the most excellent manner. He said, man, they, God, gave me power, rulership, and authority on the earth and also to my forefathers. Read, because remember, he had um, Cyrus before him. Cyrus the first, and then Cyrus, um, Cyrus's son, uh, the dude there. I could never think of his name, name. damn name. It sounds like Cambridge. Or, I forgot his name. Anyway, read on. Wherefore, ye shall do well not to put in execution the letters sent unto you by Ammon. So remember the, the letter that the king had issued out for all the Jews to die? The king is resending it now. Like, nah, man, don't honor that letter. Read. The son of Amadasa, for he that was the worker of these things is hanged at the gate of Shusha with all his family. God, who ruleth all things, speedily rendering vengeance to him according to his according to his desert. Right. Or his, or his desert. Right. right. Or his desire. He then his whole family got murked. Read. 
Therefore, ye shall publish the copy of this letter in all places that the Jews may freely live after their own laws. Wow, look at this. We got a little bit of sovereignty, man, that we could keep the laws of the Most High, man, that we could practice and still keep the Sabbath, still circumcise our kids, still gather. Read. And ye shall aid them even the same day, being the 13th day of the 12th month, Adar, they may be avenged on them who in the time of their affliction shall set upon them. For the Almighty God hath turned to joy unto them the day wherein the chosen people should have perished. Ye shall therefore among your solemn feasts keep it and high day with all feasting. Now, this is they king saying that, hey, man, this is a, a, a holy day or a holiday for y'all. Y'all need to keep this day and keep it with feasting. It's another nation saying this. But he's recognizing that the Most High did this. Mm-hmm. Read. That both now and hereafter there may be safety to us and the well-affected Persians, but to those Ooh. which do conspire against us a memorial of destruction. He understood, man, as long as I got these people on my side, we good. They going to keep us out of destruction. They going to keep us from trouble. And anybody that mean us harm, we going to destroy them. But all under the guise of because these are the most house people and the most house working with them, and through them we benefit. He understood this. This is where it, where it says in Genesis about Abraham's children that says, uh, all nations of the earth shall be blessed because of his children. This is what they're talking about. For every city and country whatsoever which shall not do according to these things shall be destroyed without mercy, with fire and sword, and shall be made not only unpassable for men, but also most hateful to wild beasts and fowls forever. So this was a don't mess with don't mess with the Jew. Leave them Jews alone. All the world respected us. And even tells, you can go back and read the story. It said that many of the people became Jews. So we had a lot of converts during this time also. Now let's go to Esther chapter 9 in the Bible. I'm sorry, chapter 8. Let's go to verse 1. I'm going to read 1 to verse 9. Then we're going to jump. We're almost done, y'all. On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was un- what he was unto her. So now it's letting it be known, hey, I'm her uncle. I raised her as my daughter. Read. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spake yet again before the king, and fell down at his feet, and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he should that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman the son of Hamadassah, the Agite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's provinces. 
For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king, Ahasuerus, said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is, the month Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies and the rulers of the provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia, and 127 provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. Verse 10. Uh, I'm sorry. Jump down to verse 22. So this decree went out, man, to every to everybody, to all nations. Chapter 9, Esther in the Bible, 9 and 22. As the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and the gifts to the poor. So, yeah, we could send portions of gifts to one another uh in Purim, this is the official gift-giving time, y'all. So if you like gifts and giving gifts, this is the time to give gifts to your brothers and your sisters, your kids and whatnot, to celebrate what we call, what the Bible calls Purim. Now jump down to verse 26. Wherefore, they called these days Purim, after the name of Pur. Now remember, going back to the previous chapters we read, that uh, they would purr, or they, they purr lots for Haman. Remember, they were bidding on if Haman was going to catch the Jews up in that particular plot to kill us, kill us off. Well, that was reversed, and now this holiday that we celebrate is called Purim, which means to cast lots. Read. Therefore, for all the words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter, and which had come unto them, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail, that they would keep these two days. These how many days? Two days. So Purim lasts for two days, y'all. It's supposed to celebrate it for two days. Read. According to their writing mm-hmm. and according to their appointed time every year. And we're supposed to celebrate it how often? Every year. Every year, y'all. This falls around this time, around March, man. So, brothers and sisters, man, that's our time. I know I ran a little bit over today, but I wanted to cover this topic uh, extensively to uh, bring some more edification to the topic of Purim and explain why we celebrate it and what it is and give the backdrop and history of it also. The uh, water. Thanks for everybody tuning in, man. I want to say, man. Let me give y'all 
a round of applause and appreciation too, man. And that's for all the brothers and the sisters, man, that tune in to Bible to uh, Blog Talk to Bible Talk and support uh, Bible Talk, man. I really appreciate y'all comments. Brothers hit me up saying, "Man, I listen to to you while I'm at work," or oh, "Man, uh, I, I like uh, listening to you. It it, it, uh, it take my take my mind off of the, my, my problems and the issues that I might be dealing with." Um, I appreciate y'all, man, and appreciate y'all uh, y'all words of encouragement and support, man. It inspires me to keep teaching, man, and keep edifying, man. So I want to say thank y'all, man. Thank y'all, y'all. Um, y'all words are greatly appreciated. I want to send a shout out to Mashaba for hooking up the broadcast and for everybody that listened and tuned in. And until next Tuesday, Lord willing. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Taza Pop. Tuesday. Taza Pop. Tuesday. Taza Pop. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, man, we're going to say goodbye to House of <laughs> who got a job now. We ain't going to be hearing her no more, not as often anyway. We're going to say shalom to you, brothers and sisters. Shalom. Shalom.